listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. had a wonderful spring break. I hope it was restful. Maybe there were some chances to recharge. I know a lot of you were probably still working, a lot of things going on. Hopefully, maybe there's a few of you in here that got to go on vacation. Anybody, like, get to slip away for a little bit? Okay, we got two people. We'll pray for everybody else in here for, for the future, for next spring break. Uh, I, I don't want to brag, especially since only two people raised their hands, uh, but I got to go to Colorado this past week with some of my wife's family. We had a little guy's trip uh, and got to be in the mountains for a few days. And so just, just to do a quick poll, let's just see. If you had to go on vacation for the rest of your life, if it was the mountains or the beach, which one would you choose? Everybody that's going to Florida, going to the Mexico, if you're going to the beach, raise your hand. That's where you want to be, okay? Everybody that wants to move to Colorado to go on vacation to the mountains, right on. There's my people. All right. So I grew up South Houston. The like, highest mountain we had was a highway, right? And so for, for me, like as, as a young kid, to get to go to Colorado was like amazing. And, and I've gone multiple times since, and, and even this week, every time I go, there, there's a moment where I am just like struck by the beauty of God's creation. Like it, it hits me differently than, than really anywhere in the world. But to be in the mountains, I'm just like in complete awe. And every time I go, there, there's like a moment where I might have this out-of-body experience where like, I, it looks like something's probably wrong with me, and I'm just like, what is going on? Right? Like looking all around, just captured by the beauty of it. And this happened the first day we were there for this trip. Uh, most of the days it snowed, which was just really unfortunate. But uh, the first day was super sunny and, and almost warm, and, but you could see all of the mountains around. Right? And so we're on the top of this peak. I'm looking around, and you can do a 360 and we are surrounded by snow-covered mountains. And, and, and this like stirs my heart for the Lord when I, when I see this. And, but here's the thing. At any moment, right now, all of us could pull out our phone and look up a picture of the beach. We could look at a picture of our favorite mountain in Colorado. But how many of y'all know like that does not do it justice, right? Like you need to be there. You need to experience it. You need to feel the air and take all of that in. And I start with that this morning because it's like every time I go to Colorado, I've like forgotten what mountains look like, right? I've forgotten how beautiful they are until I'm there. And I think all of us, just because we're human, we forget how amazing and how beautiful some of the things are in our lives. Like just every day, we maybe forget how wonderful our family is, or, or how great of a job you get to go to, or how great it is to, to go on a vacation and experience God's creation. But especially as Christians, when you come here every Sunday, when you're involved in lots of Christian activities and Bible study, it's really easy for us to forget like what we're even doing. Like really like to forget what we're a part of, and maybe to become numb to like Christian activity and the truth of really what we believe in. And so Paul's going to start the passage that we're reading today in 2 Timothy. We'll read it in a minute, but he starts it with five words. And he says, remind them of these things. Remind them. What are the things that we need to be reminded of? 
It's really, if you read closely, it's all of what he said so far in 2 Timothy. But most importantly, it's what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. We read it just a few days ago. If we can put it on the screen, it says this in chapter 2, verse 8. Timothy says to, or Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and descended from David according to my gospel. As believers, if we're not careful, we can easily forget Jesus Christ and his gospel. We can be so distracted and numb by so many different things. And so through this scripture that we're about to read, Paul's going to say, come back. And so here, here's the question that I want us to wrestle with with our 30 minutes or so that we have together. To really ponder this, what happens when we forget the beauty of the gospel? As Christians, what happens when we forget the beauty of the gospel? We're going to jump into this passage together. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 19, if you have a Bible and want to turn there. If not, they'll be on the screen for us. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. Paul starts this way. He says, Remind them of these things, and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. And so let's take a moment, we'll pause here, let's unpack this text a little bit to kind of give you some context of what's going on. And so when Paul's writing this to Timothy, false teachers were extremely prevalent, especially in Ephesus, where, where Timothy was at this time. And these false teachers, they began to obsess and really debate over very small theological details, theological speculation. Uh, it, here, kind of to give you some context, he, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, verses 3-4, through 4, he says this. He says, Remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people. Right? These are, these are the false teachers. Instruct them not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. And so what, what was really happening is these false teachers at this time, I, I think they knew the gospel, they had heard it before, but they began to really speculate and debate and obsessed over what we would kind of say are the gray areas of Scripture or theology. And they began to obsess over those so much that they made those things the gospel rather than the true gospel. And so here's the first thing I want, want us to see from this scripture, is that when we forget the gospel, we fall for something far less beautiful. Just think about that. When we forget the gospel, we fall for something far less beautiful. To maybe kind of help you understand this a little bit more, when I was a freshman, I, I went to a Bible college 
And uh, first couple of weeks of being in Bible college, we had all of these professors that had all their doctorate degrees and incredibly smart people. We had One of my professors had one of the highest IQ scores in the state of Texas, right? So just these geniuses. And so what they wanted to do in our first couple months of studying Scripture together, they wanted to teach us the truth primarily, but they wanted us to have a well-rounded view of Scripture. So they wanted us first and foremost to know and understand the truth. But if we were going to be people that are leading Christians, leading other people to pursue Jesus, they also wanted us to know the gray areas or areas that people are going to speculate. Where are people going to debate? Where are people going to have different opinions? Some of these things we may not know until we get to heaven, right? But they they wanted us to know everyone's different opinions, different philosophies, different perspectives. And so for the first time, a lot of us grew up in church but had never heard some of these things before. Right? Never knew that they were like even mentioned in Scripture. And really what, what I watched happen is I watched some of my friends that were in these classes begin to obsess about the gray areas. And constantly, like it was, it was the main thing that was on their mind. They debated about it all the time. And so I, I like remember walking through the student center like every week they would be in there debating and they'd be like, Austin, come over here. Like, let's talk about this together. What, what are your thoughts on this? Or what are your thoughts on that? Or what did you think when this professor said this? And like it, it, it just drew me crazy. Like that, that's all they wanted to talk about was debate about some of these things that we may never know the answer to. And unfortunately, I watched these guys over really the next couple months get so caught up in debating about genealogies and speculations and myths that many of them left to another faith and began to pursue a different religion and those that maybe would say they're still Christians never went into full-time ministry, right? Because they were so struck by what was going on in these little, small details that weren't the primary thing. And, and Paul says, when you fall for something like that, you forget the beauty of the gospel. You're missing the main thing. You've missed God's plan. And so here, here's what I think is probably true. You can come grab me after if, if you land somewhere different. But I think most of us, if we're honest, like every evening when you go home, you're not studying all the genealogies, all the myths, all the speculation of Scripture. Right? I would imagine Netflix probably comes way before that right? Like in most of our lives. But here's, here's what I know is true, especially for me. I may not be caught up in all of that, but I know for sure I'm way more focused and prioritizing a lot of things other in my life other than the gospel, right? There, there's lots of things that come first before this. And so I, I want to know for you, maybe something else has become the gospel. Maybe something has become center for you. Maybe for you, it's how you look, right? That you, you're really focused on how people view you, you want to be dressed to the nines, as the students say. You want to have the clean drip, right? Like, you, you want to look good. And so that, that's your focus every day. That, that runs your life, and you're always worried, like, do I match? Do I look okay? Are, are people going to judge me for, for not looking all right? Maybe for you, it's a person that has become the gospel for you. That, that you're so focused on being in a relationship with them. Like, you're starstruck by that person. Maybe you're already in a relationship with them, but that, that's just, that is the center focus of your life. Maybe for you, it's family. 
right? It's kids, like it's, it's, it's good things. But their schedule, their life, their sports, that's run your life. Maybe for you it's resting. Like how many of you were just waiting for spring break, right? Like waiting for that chance to slow down. Maybe that's been your focus or it's just laziness. Maybe it's momentary pleasure. I don't know what it is. But I know for all of us, if we're not careful, we can be tempted to fall for something that's far less beautiful than the gospel. And here's the deal. When we begin to fall for something else and make those things our primary focus, it doesn't just hinder us, but it hinders other believers around us. And this is where Paul goes next. Look at verse 16 with me. He says, avoid, avoid irreverent and empty speech, which empty speech is like godless chatter or speculation debating about things, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness in their teaching will spread like gangrene, which, which we'll come back to in a minute. And then here, what Paul's going to do is he's going to call out two guys. He's going to say, don't be like these guys. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth saying that the resurrection had already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. And so as we study the scripture, we don't know a ton about these guys, but we know for sure that they've wandered from the truth and they were beginning to teach a false doctrine. They were teaching that the resurrection had already taken place. Now, like, of course, at this time, the resurrection of Jesus had taken place but they were teaching that a future resurrection had already happened. One, one commentary says it this way. It says the resurrection, they, they were teaching this false doctrine that the resurrection of believers' bodies, along with the glory of a new heaven and a new earth, had already happened. And so what these false teachers are doing, they're denying a future bodily resurrection. And, and Paul says this was ruining the faith of some people. Right? That, that they were like, did, did I miss my chance? Like, did Jesus forget about me? Like, and the same thing would have happened to us today. If, if someone began to preach this truth, we would feel like we have nothing to look forward to. Right? Like, what do we hope in? And so here's the second thing we see from this scripture. Is that when we forget the gospel, it produces sin that infects the church. When we forget the gospel, it produces sin that infects the church. So Paul, Paul uses kind of this infection. To, he describes this corruption with the word gangrene. Which when I was reading this scripture, I'd never heard of this word before. Right? Some of you may feel the same way. Gangrene, it was a medical term that, uh, that medical professionals, if you want to use that word, during the time of Paul, would use this word and kind of the idea of a spreading disease or an infection. And so as this gangrene would enter the body it would begin to remove oxygen and eventually remove blood flow to certain areas of the body. And so let's say, for example, it attacks your foot, right? This infection begins to spread in your foot and it would begin to block off oxygen and blood flow so much that your foot would begin to decay and die. And then rapidly that disease would spread through the rest of your body. And so Paul tries to use the most like, expressive, most captivating word that he can get with his audience to understand that when false teaching runs rapid in the church, it's an infection. It doesn't only hinder you, but it infects everyone around you. 
And so I'd like to think about that for a second. There's like, remember my parents always saying like, hey, someone's always watching you. Right? Like someone's always looking out at what you're doing. And so as a believer, when you fall for something else, someone is watching you. And it's really tempting to, to maybe, for example, they watch their role model fall for a certain sin. And they're like, well, why can't I? Why can't I give into that temptation? And so Paul says, false teaching is like gangrene. It's an infection that will spread and hurt the health of the church. You, you could say it this way. When we shift our focus from the gospel, it always leads to sin and destruction. Right? Like at any moment you take your gaze off of the gospel, it's going to lead to sin and infection. I love the Christ-centered commentary says it this way. It says, Godlessness takes place when people exchange the beauty and the truth of God's word for pettiness and falsehood or merely human ideas. And so when you forget the gospel, it produces sin that infects the church. And so Paul says we must beware of false teaching. We as a body of believers must do everything we can to, to fight it off because otherwise it's going to rip and tear apart a church. And we see this happen all the time, right? Like we see churches fall apart because they begin to debate over little small theological things or a false teaching that ripped through the church. And so here's what's interesting to me. So far in this text, it is extremely negative, right? Like we could stop right there and be like, oh, good luck, right? Like extremely negative words and tones that are used. But Paul jumps in with verse 19. He says, despite all the false teaching, all the propaganda, everything that's being preached in the world, God is still in control. Verse, verse 19, he says this, Nevertheless, nevertheless, everything that I've just said, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. And so what Paul's trying to do, he's saying, hey, Timothy, false teaching is real. You need to take it seriously, but it will never destroy God's church. It's never going to destroy God's church. Why? Because God's solid foundation, his word, the gospel will stand firm. They will defeat anything that comes over it. And ultimately, God is in control of his church. And so I think that's a comfort to all of us. Right? Like when we watch the news, when you get on social media, and you see like the things that is being fed into all of our lives, to pursue this, desire that, this is prettier and flashier, all that false teaching that's hitting us, it's comforting to know that God's church is going to stand. Right? Like, we, maybe, maybe you've said before, like, oh, the future of our next generation is hopeless. That's not true. Right? Like, God's word stands firm. The good news that we can find comfort in, in the midst of the false teaching. And then Paul ends in verse 19 with a, with a call for all believers. He says, hey, if false teaching is this prevalent, then you need to turn from your wickedness, right? Turn from it and pursue a life of faithfulness back to me. You can't be caught up in this. And so how do we do that? 
how as believers do we turn from false teaching and maybe like spark our awe and our wonder of the gospel again? How, how do you come back to your first love? I think if we read back through this scripture, I think Paul makes three things really clear that we can begin to come back to God. Here's the first one. First one, you remember the beauty of the gospel. Remember the beauty of the gospel. So once again, in verse 14, Paul says, remind them of these things. When Paul uses the word remind, in the Greek, it's an active verb. And so basically what he's telling Timothy is saying, keep reminding them. Don't, don't stop. Keep reminding them about the beauty of the gospel. And so I want you to think for a minute, how many things are you trying to remember a day or a week? If you're like me, I, uh, I use the Reminders app on my phone all the time. And so I'm like, hey Siri, remind me to take out the trash when I get home. Or hey Siri, remind me to do this. Anybody else like that? All right. We, we kind of live and die based off the reminders on our phone. Or maybe for you, you're like, oh, I don't need to remember things, but everyone in my life is constantly reminding me of things. Right? So maybe you're like, my wife is constantly telling me to take out the trash or, or don't forget to feed the dog before you leave for the day. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe for the students or younger people in the room, you feel like your parents are always like, clean your room. Don't forget to clean your room. We have company coming over. Clean your room. Maybe, maybe for the younger crowd, you're always trying to remind your mom how to log into her Instagram account. Right? Like, you just press that button, settings, right? All of us like, are trying to remember things. Some of us like, have so many things in our mind at one time, we like, forgot what we were just thinking about, right? because we're trying to stay up with so many things. We're all prone to forget. Right? We, we need the Reminders app on our phone because there's so many things going on. But Paul says the thing that you need to remember the most, the thing that maybe is the first to leave our mind, and so the thing that we have to remind ourselves about the most is the gospel. He, he says to Timothy, this is the most important message. You never stop reminding and teaching them about that. I, I had a pastor uh, when I was in college in East Texas that almost every Sunday, somehow he worked it into his sermon, but that he, he said this phrase, that you preach the gospel to yourself every day. That, that as a believer, you would preach the gospel to yourself. You don't just tell the gospel. You don't just say, remember the gospel. You preach it to yourself. That you remember what Jesus has done on the cross and that you're a sinner in need of his grace. So what are, maybe what are some practical ways that we could preach the gospel to ourselves every day? I, I think when you encounter a moment of temptation, when the waiter at lunch today is a little bit frustrating, and they bring you a Coke instead of a Dr. Pepper, when you're tempted to get angry or when you're tempted with anything this week, you remember that Christ died for that. Right? You, you preach the gospel to yourself when you're in a moment of temptation, when you're, when you're on your phone and, and you're scrolling and you're tempted to look at something you know you shouldn't. You preach the gospel to yourself. You remember Christ died for that. At any moment that you take a moment to recognize, hey, I'm a sinner. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. When you acknowledge your sin and ask God for forgiveness, you're preaching the gospel to yourself, right? And so that should be a daily habit, right? Like something that we can easily forget. 
but that we recognize our sin. A really practical thing is that you should surround yourself with other Christian believers that always point you back to the gospel. That always are reminding you about the truth. That when when you're weary, when you're weak, you've had a tough week, and you can't think about that, they're there to be the firm foundation, to remind you of the truth. Maybe for you, like really practically, it looks like setting a reminder on your phone. Like every day, hey Siri, remind me at 10 a.m., preach the gospel to myself. Maybe it's a a sticky note on your phone. Maybe it's your screensaver. Like whatever you need to do, put the gospel, that reminder in front of yourself. When when that pastor in East Texas was was constantly saying that, I I had it in my journal every Sunday because he would say that and so I would put it in my journal. And so the next morning when I would go to spend some time with the Lord, I would always see it. Right? And it just was a kind of a natural flow and a progression of, of my prayer time with the Lord, of I remind myself of the gospel. And so here's the deal. When we remember what God's done for us, it stirs our heart and affection for him. Right? We, we, can't, we can't turn back to other things because we're reminded of how beautiful, how amazing the gospel is. Second thing, how do, how do we stir our awe back for the Lord again and remove from false teaching? We study. Right? If, you've, if you want to know the truth, you've got to be in it. Right? Paul says this in, in verse 15. He says, be diligent. Uh, the NIV translation says, do your best. So in other words, do everything you can. Make every effort to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Correctly teaching the word of truth. And so I like how one commentary uh, described being diligent as the spiritual sweat that's required to study God's Word. That that it takes effort and work to study the truth and and to correctly handle and to teach God's Word. And so I'm really grateful for this, but Pastor David and Brandon both have doctorate degrees in theology. Like, both have spent multiple times in different colleges and seminaries studying the Word of God to teach it correctly, right? And we should all be grateful for that. There's multiple pastors and ministers on staff that have multiple degrees in theology because it takes work to teach God's Word correctly. But even more importantly than that, God takes the teaching of His Word seriously, right? It's, it's no small thing. But here's the thing that I want to make sure that all of us see. This scripture, verse 15, is not just for those that want to be pastors and ministers. This is for every believer. All of us are called to know the Word of God and to be the approved worker that Paul's talking about here. None of us get to skip out on this opportunity. And here's why this is really important. You can't know what is false if you don't know the truth. Right? And so when false teaching comes, when, when it's on social media, when it's a friend brings it up, when it comes, you can't know if that's right or wrong unless you truly know the truth. Right? There, there could even be like scripture involved with it, but it could be taken out of context. And so you have to know what is true. You can think about it, uh, one of my friends was, was kind of sharing this and it's helpful to think about it this way, but you could think about it like counterfeit money. Right? That, that there's really smart people that spend hours, days, right, trying to analyze the difference between a true dollar bill 
and a fake one. And so they, they study thoroughly the true dollar bill so that when a fake one comes across their desk, they can pick out and point, these are the things that are the differences. This one is true and this one is fake. And in the same way, Paul says, we have to be able to know the truth to eliminate false teaching. You can't let it run rampant, so you have to know the truth. And so here's the challenge for all of us. It's to study, right? It's to get after it, to, to spend time in God's Word, knowing the truth. And so you should study and learn more about God's character. Because people are going to say certain things about God, and you need to know what God is truly like. You need to study and know the gospel, right? You need to know how to clearly explain that to someone. To say, no, this is the truth of God's Word. All of these, all of these books in here point to this one truth. And so we have more access to the Bible and to resources about Christianity than any other generation has ever had. Right? Like on your phone right now, there is countless godly biblical resources that you can pull up to help you study God's Word. And then also, we, we said at the beginning of the service this morning, but we have countless Bible studies here. Right? Like there is men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, Bible studies for every ages that are going on every day of the week here at Southcrest that you can be involved in, that will help you study and know God's Word. But even more importantly, you can do that on your own. Right? Like you can study God's Word on your own and begin to pursue that. And so none of us have an excuse. Right? None of us have an excuse not to know what God's Word says. It's, it's laziness and different things that, that keep us from knowing the truth. And so here's the beautiful thing. When we study God's Word and begin to spend time with the Lord, one that, that once again stirs our love for Him as we see His love for us, but it also begins to produce godliness. Like the more that you spend time in Scripture, the more you look like God and begin to pursue that. Third thing, we spend time reminding ourselves the beauty of the Gospel. We study it. And then you teach the truth. You teach the truth. And so if you're reminding yourself the beauty of the gospel, you're studying the word of God, then you should be able to unashamedly teach the word of God. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 2. He basically says kind of the same thing that he said already. He says in verse 3, For our exhortation or teaching didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive, Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. And so if you're a follower of Christ, you have been entrusted with the gospel. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to speak up and to share it. It's, it's your responsibility to live a life that models what you have received. Right, to, to show everyone you've experienced something different. But here's the problem. And, and I say this in love, and I'm preaching this to myself as well. The problem is there is many in here today that you've known the truth for a really long time. You've been involved in Christian activity. You've come to church every Sunday. You know the truth, but you're sitting on the sidelines. You're sitting on the sidelines when you have an opportunity to teach the gospel to the next generation. Uh, really, this whole book of 2 Timothy is focused on discipleship. 
right? Like that, that we should be pouring into the next generation, sharing the truth with them. And so if like you lean to thinking there's no hope for the next generation, there, there's too much false teaching heading their way, then you need to step up and teach the gospel to them. You need to show them the full truth of God's word. It is each and every one of us, our responsibility to proclaim the gospel. And so I think maybe if this is helpful at all, I think one of the ways that we can avoid sharing like a false truth or a false doctrine is to avoid speaking your truth, right? There, there's like a, a kind of a movement going on right now where everyone wants to speak their truth. Everyone wants to share their opinion, their thoughts. Oh, let me tell you about my experience with this. And I, I want to encourage you to avoid that. Uh, avoid speaking your truth, but to share with them the truth. Speak the, the truth of God. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was hanging out with some of our high school students after a Wednesday night, we typically kind of go eat somewhere, and we were sitting at, at uh, Minchie's enjoying the best frozen yogurt in Lubbock, right, guys? And uh, we were sitting there, and one of our students kind of pulled up a video on TikTok and said, hey, Austin, what do you think about this? And it was, uh, you could say, a Christian or somebody, some kind of influencer that was teaching something from Scripture that was wrong. And I, like, you know, kind of jumped on it immediately, like, guys, like, hey, like, let, me, let me help you understand. This is wrong. Right, this is not true. And I left that night and was driving home and I was kicking myself because easily could have pulled out my phone and showed them in Scripture what, that we, what they were looking at was not true. Right, could have shown them different passages of Scripture, but instead, kind of in that moment, I just shared with them my opinion, which, Lord willing, and hopefully was an opinion that was rooted in Scripture. But if I would have just shown them clearly, hey, this is what God's Word says, that would have been way more helpful. And so just encouragement to all of us, be careful not to just share your opinion. Don't, don't just share your perspective on something, but share with them what God's Word says. A helpful thing for me is to always point people back to Scripture. Always go back to what the Word of God says. And I don't want to forget to mention this, but Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, the verse we just read, he said, we speak not to please people, but rather God. And so if you're discipling someone, you're sharing the truth with them, remember your responsibility is to please God, not to please them. And I think very often it can be tempting to push back, to not share the full truth of what God's Word says, because you're worried about how it may hurt their feelings. You're worried about how it may affect them. And so I want to say that sometimes hearing the gospel, hearing the truth is hard for some people. Right? It's going to go against the way that they're living, the way that they're behaving, maybe even the way that they're thinking. But you share the truth in love. Right? Don't, don't push back from being unashamed. If you've studied, if you know what the Word of God says, you can go unashamedly seeking to please God, not seeking to please man. You share the truth with them. And I'll close with this as, as our team comes up to, to lead us in worship in a minute. So when I first began to study this passage of Scripture, I sat down a, a few days ago, and maybe, maybe you've noticed this as we've looked at it, but my eyes were drawn to all of the negative words, right? Like, this is an extremely negative passage of Scripture. There, there's lots of negative phrases and ideas that, that speak to what happens when we forget the beauty of the gospel, 
Paul, Paul is hardly ever this negative in Scripture. And so one more time, just kind of to paraphrase it, I want you to hear this. Paul says, when we forget the beauty of the gospel, it produces sin, godlessness, and wickedness that does not just affect us, but begins to corrupt and infect. He uses that word gangrene, infects the entire church, causing some to ruin their faith and turn away from God. But I want you to think about what happens if we were to flip it. What happens as believers if we were to see the gospel as the most beautiful thing? If we were to come back to that, we come back to our first love, and and the most satisfying thing in our life is Jesus. This is what would happen. And not doing anything crazy here, I just kind of spent some time flipping every negative word in this passage to a positive one. That if we were to view it this way, this is essentially kind of what would happen. We as believers would begin to live a life unashamed of the gospel. As we correctly teach the word of God, it will produce godliness and fruitfulness in the life of others by the way that we live and based on what we're teaching. Dead people will come to life in Christ. Sinners will begin to turn away from their wickedness and pursue a life of holiness. And prodigals that have left the faith will come back to their first love. And instead of an infection that spreads through the church, the truth would begin to spread. Not only through our church, but through our city. And so church, we have to come back to the beauty of the gospel. It has to be the the center of our life. Our our firm foundation that that we're constantly reminding ourselves about. And so as we take a moment here in a second to respond to God's word, I think really the question for all of us is what's keeping you from the beauty of the gospel? Like, Like what in your life is keeping you from seeing Jesus as the most satisfying thing? That could, that could be one big thing. It could be a lot of small things. But if we don't begin to take a moment to analyze that, Paul says false teaching will just begin to spread. It will corrupt. It will affect other people. And so I think just for a minute, I want to encourage you to just spend a moment with the Lord. Maybe it's the first time you've prayed in a while. Maybe it's the first time you've had a moment to sit still. And just for a few seconds before we sing a song, I, I want to encourage you to pray and ask God, what's keeping me from seeing you as the most beautiful thing? What in my life, God? Rip it away. W- would you expose that? Would you share that with me? And so right now, I just want to encourage you to take a moment in your own heart and mind to spend a moment in prayer. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 